Hoy es Cinco de Mayo 2021. Coke pulls back from being so woke. Pelosi tries to tighten the tension in the GOP. And states get creative in the vaccine rollout. I'm your host, Austin Taylor, and this is Split the Difference Podcast. Here we take a look at both sides of the political aisle as we try to bridge the gap between today's biggest issues. Remember, times may be divisive and we may not always agree, but together we can stay level-headed, be reasonable, and always split the difference. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family. We have another fantabulous episode for you here right in the middle of the week, trying to bring you all of the best news and insights from both the left and the right, trying our best to research, to be well-educated, have opinions, and hold them strongly. But of course, try to look into the middle where we can, split the difference, and find that sweet, sweet truth that oftentimes lies right there in between. So with all of that, let's go ahead and start on in on our first story of the day, story number one. So for our first story of the day, Woke Coke. Okay, if you have not been following the Coca-Cola saga and what all has been happening there at Coca-Cola over the past couple of months, um, that's because why in the world would you? Uh, most of us would rather just you know rot out our teeth with our sugary drinks and not worry about the politics of the companies that are providing those sugary drinks to us. We don't particularly care for the side of politics, but... Coke has been on a woke rampage here recently, working very, very hard to reassure the American public and their customers that they are super woke, that they are having all of the right things that they need to say in order to be able to get your business as the consumer and in with the times right now. They are with it. They are here. They are bringing all the good stuff to you because they want to be able to provide that good, sweet, sugary goodness to you and you knowing that they stand with Americans and really kind of whatever it is that the left thinks that you should stand with. So a couple of months back, some training ended up being released. It kind of ended up through a whistleblower was what it was said. And it was sent over to a YouTube creator where uh, they released some pictures on some training that Coke was rolling out to a lot of their different employees. People got very upset. Some very ridiculous stuff was within that actual training. All of it was headed up by Robin D'Angelo. She's the author of White Fragility. Uh, it's a book that basically talks about um, how to be less white. That really is the goal behind the book. You want to be as least white as possible. Um, and there's some pretty egregious stuff in this training. So let's go ahead and hop on real quick. Uh, this is some reporting on it from a couple months ago um, around what the training that was actually happening. So there's no, I'm going to explain through this because there's actually no, nothing but music in this, but so there's a little, basically a little Chiron that kind of pops up and it says to be less white is to be less oppressive, be less arrogant, be less certain, be less defensive, be less ignorant, be less, be more humble, listen, believe, break with apathy and break with white solidarity. So slides from a diversity training allegedly used by Coca-Cola shows all the terrible stuff that they were doing. Um, and then it has another slide that pops up and it says, in the United States and other Western nations, white people are socialized to feel that they are inherently superior because they're white. Research shows that by age three to four, children understand that it is better to be white. So um, this, of course, was taken up 
the mantle was taken up by all of the conservatives and they were like, this is absolutely horrible. This is racist. This is terrible propaganda. Coca-Cola is forcing all their employees to do it. Coca-Cola later came out and said that they weren't actually forcing their employees to take this training, but rather that uh, their employees could opt in to take this training if they wanted to. I think it was on LinkedIn Learning. Uh, I think since then it has also been pulled from LinkedIn Learning because some of the backlash that it has received. Uh, and Coca-Cola was just trying to say, listen, we're trying to do our part to help the problem of social injustice here in the United States. And this is one of the ways that we're doing it. We're offering this, offering this be less white training in, uh, in and throughout our company if our employees would like to become more knowledgeable about diversity. So now Coca-Cola, within the past week or so, has decided to do something else. They wanted to be able to take it a step further. So uh, the Daily Wire, because it's difficult to find any stories about this that are not on incredibly far right-leaning conservative uh, news platforms, so that is why I'm using more conservative news platforms, in case you were wondering. The Daily Wire, uh, which is backed by and kind of run by Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, those guys over there, um, reported back in February, Coca-Cola debuted a new policy this year implementing a diversity quota for the outside counsel that it retains, saying it will only hire law firms that commit to providing 15% of billed time from black attorneys, higher than the percentage of African Americans within the United States populations. So I uh, also said that law firms were working with the soft drink, so, law firms that were working with the soft drink giant uh, were also required under the new policy to quote commit that at least 30% of each of build associate and partner time will be from diverse attorneys and of such amounts at least half will be from black attorneys. So the idea is uh, that 30% of all of the build time that Coca-Cola was going to be paid out to law firms that it employed to be able to help it in whatever law needs that it needed uh, had to be done by black and minority attorneys. Okay. Um, so Bradley Gayton, who was the guy, was the legal, was the lawyer there at Coca-Cola that ended up implementing this policy, um, he was the one that kind of like authored the firm diversity plan. Uh, after viewing websites for firms providing Coca-Cola's outside counsel and seeing mostly white headshots, Gaten believed that the efforts to become more diverse were not really working. So he tried and he went into implement a rule that required diversity for the lawyers in the legal counsel that Coca-Cola employed. He said this, the hard truth is that our profession is not treating the issue of diversity and inclusion as a business imperative. We have a crisis on our hands and we need to commit ourselves to specific actions that will accelerate the diversity of the legal profession. So where Coca-Cola actually ended up getting into a little bit of hot water in all of this was that many people said that this actually could be illegal. And this could be illegal under the, I believe it is the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which states that employers can't treat uh, the people that they employ differently based upon their race. So in other words, race can't play into the decision that an employer makes when they are deciding to actually hire people on. And this makes sense, right? If you think back to the 1960s, they, one of the big problems that a lot of the country was facing that the government was trying to solve is that a lot of white business owners were refusing to hire black people because they were black. So they created Title VII in the 1964 Civil Rights Act that uh, went through and said, listen, it is illegal for you to 
not employ someone based upon their race alone, right? You have to decide not to hire someone for, you can use it for a wide variety of other different reasons, whether they're not qualified, whether you feel like their personality is not a fit. There could be plenty of other reasons why you don't want to hire them. You just can't use race as the reason into which why you decided not to hire them, right? And everybody's like, yeah, that makes sense. Of course that makes sense. That's ridiculous. Why would you use, why would race ever come into play when you're thinking about whether or not to hire someone to come in and work for your company? But it really is amazing to think about the things have come so full circle over the last 60 years since that was written that we are now talking about <laughs> that it is illegal. Is it illegal for a company to say that they are not going to hire certain companies or they're not going to hire certain lawyers or whoever it may be to actually perform work for them because there are not enough black people or that there are too many white people. So it gets down to the fundamental question that's kind of at the center of this diversity movement right now. Okay. Is it okay to pass over white people for employment if it is being done in the name of diversity, right? Is it okay to pass over white people that are, that may be better qualified or may have, uh, things that, you know, normally would be something that would be a better fit within your company. Okay. For, or whatever that may be so that you can hire somebody that is black. Okay. Both sides of the aisle have very, very different answers for this, okay? And we're going to walk through that a little bit. So the left says that, yes, that is okay. And they point to the history and the, and the many, many years that were spent of segregation within the United States, of forced legal separation of the races, uh, where black people were purposefully and systematically and institutionally uh, segregated and put down and discriminated against. And so now in order to be able to make up for that companies and people should purposefully look to try and hire black people before they would try to hire a white person. They point to how the history of slavery, the history of Jim Crow, they point to all of these laws and institutions and structures that were in place for hundreds of years. And they say that was terrible. And the only way to write that is to now purposefully and systematically hire black people before you would hire white people. Okay. And that's, that's kind of the argument and the push on the left. Okay. The right side of the aisle totally disagrees with that. The right is going to say that is still racist. Okay. If you were just because you were passing somebody up, uh, that is why just because you're purposefully hiring somebody that's black. Yes, we agree that they were purposefully and systematically abused and oppressed for hundreds of years. I don't think there's many people on the right that, that think that or say that slavery or Jim Crow was a good thing. All right. There, of course, are some, but they're an extreme and we're not really talking about them. Okay. We're talking about the vast majority of the conservative movement. The vast majority of the conservatives would say all of that in the past was bad. But racism now does not make up for racism in the past. So we don't, we should not be selecting people based upon their race at all. If anything, all of the employees that you go to hire on or the legal counsel or the consultants, whoever it is that you bring on, it should be completely blind. You shouldn't know or you shouldn't worry about or you shouldn't even think about race at all. It should, it should be a non-question whether or not that person is going to be hired because race should not play into at all the decision that you make in hiring on someone that is going to work for your company. 
Okay. Personally, I kind of line up with the right on this one. I'll be honest. So I see and understand where I think the left is coming from, right? Like I understand the sentiment behind it, but I don't think uh, that the effectuation of those policies is actually beneficial. Okay. And it's not because I think uh, that, you know, all of a sudden white people are just being attacked and that white people are being hated on. White men are the big, are the evil, evil person and society hates all of them now, right? Like, I don't think that that's what society is necessarily saying or going towards. There, of course, is a fringe group on the left that would say that the white man is the worst, most horrible thing that has ever been created on this earth, right? But that's not the vast majority of the people on the left. Majority of the people on the left are legitimately trying to work out what does it look like and trying to make up for and help put black people in a place where they have the same amount of opportunity that their white brother, brothers and sisters do? And I understand that. And I think that's a good sentiment to have. I totally agree with that. However, I do not think that having training that says to be less white and, you know, list out a litany of different things uh, on what being less white is. And all of those are, of course, incredibly negative connotations, right? Incredibly negative character traits that are not race dependent at all, right? There are plenty of black people out there that can be arrogant. There are plenty of black people out there that can be prideful. There's also plenty of white people that hold all of those negative things as well. There's plenty of white people that hold positive things as well. Your character is not attributable at all to your race. That is, that is no, character and race should be completely disconnected, right? Because immutable characteristics like your race are not things that you can actually uh, control at all, but your character and the development of your character is something that you do control. Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm, I've kind of see and understand now the conservatives of course take this way too far. And they say that, you know, all of the left is just trying to take over and destroy everything that's white which I don't think is happening, but you know, I, I do think that there is a, a certain, a certain middle ground where you can say, all right, well, every single person that we hire can just, it can just be blind, right? Like who, why do we need to know the race of the person? Like, why does the race of the legal counsel matter at all? Okay. And I really do line up with that much more. Um, I, with that having been said, I see and understand kind of where both sides are coming from at the end of the day. Like I've said before, Coca-Cola is trying to make money. Okay, Coca-Cola is trying to make money. They do not care at all in the slightest what your political affiliations are. I cannot say that or emphasize that enough. Coca-Cola is doing every bit of this because they're trying to hire and attract quality talent that is going to be working at their firm or their company that will then in turn produce good quality products that they can sell for a lower cost and a higher value for their customers so they can reach and gain more of the market share and make more money. At the end of the day, Coca-Cola is sitting down and they're saying, if we are putting out incredibly woke, quote unquote, or incredibly left-leaning things on our training platforms, maybe that will appeal to more people and maybe we will make more money as a result of it. As soon as they realize that they're not actually going to make more money from it all and that it's not actually going to benefit them in the public sphere, they will immediately pull all this back. And that's kind of what you're seeing what's happening with this story right now. So... With all of that, that is the end of our first story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on into our second story, story number two. 
So for our second story of the day, Nancy Pelosi gets in, tries to stir the pot a little bit. She tries to cause a little problems in the GOP. Personally, I think it's working. Like I've said before, I think Nancy Pelosi is incredibly intelligent. She's been politicking for a very long time, which we will get into in kind of what she said. Um, but Nancy Pelosi, she's trying to she's trying to stir things up, cause a little trouble in the in the GOP. So the Republicans, as we've talked about before, have a huge identity problem. They've had this identity problem really since Trump uh, got voted out of office over the past couple months, and I guess a little while before that as well. And I've talked about it extensively on the podcast before, but this is something that is causing major factions within the GOP. And the problem, and the root of the problem, is Trump, okay? Is the GOP Trump's party, or is it someone else's? Is the GOP going to fall wholly in line under this incredibly nationalist, patriotic, and populist leader in Donald Trump, or are they going to move more back towards traditional GOP values, fiscal conservatism, uh, push away from isolationism on the foreign policy front, right? All these things that Trump kind of brought in, the, the whole, the wide gamut of different things that Trump brought in, it was a lot of different things, but the GOP is trying to decide, are we with Trump or is Trump just going to maybe be a part of us, right? And can Trump ever just be a part, right? Can, can you have the GOP without Trump? That's the question, okay? And this can be seen very, very clearly in how the House Republicans are treating Liz Cheney. So Liz Cheney is a member of the House of Representatives. And if y'all remember, about a month or so ago, I did a story about how uh, about House Rep Republicans were trying to remove Liz Cheney from her position as the third most powerful House Republican. Okay, and it was initially brought up because she did not fall in line with Trump. That is literally the reason why. That that is the reason why the Republicans that wanted to vote her out of her position wanted to remove her from her position of power within the uh, House of Representatives on the Republican side of the aisle. It was because she did not agree with, she did not fall in line with Trump. And there were some members of the GOP did not like that at all. So she voted to impeach Donald Trump in the House. She was one of only 10 members of the GOP in the House that actually did. Okay. And the fact that she's so high up in the GOP is not a good look if the GOP as a whole is going to be saying Trump is our guy, right? So if you have incredibly high-ranking members within the Republican Party disagreeing with the decision for Trump to be the head of the party, that's obviously going to cause a lot of internal friction and it's going to cause some divisions within the party. So Trump Republicans wanted her to be taken down. She... Uh, she wasn't, of course. I believe the vote was a 145 to 61 to keep her in her seat, okay? Absolutely blown out. It was a silent vote, which makes me think that there's a lot of people that claim to be following Trump and claim to want Trump to be the head of the party that don't actually think that his politics are good politics within the Republican Party. But she has continued to be incredibly critical of Trump and his insistence that he actually won the election last year. She says that his claims are bad for democracy. She says that anyone supports those claims is hurting democracy. And she happens to be exactly correct. She is not backing down from her comments at all. Liz Cheney, although many Republicans that are Trump Republicans are now calling her a rhino, right? A Republican in name only. Um, she really is actually more of, an, of a traditional GOP 
card card holding member. Okay, she would be what the definition of a Republican was before 2016. Okay, Liz Cheney is not shy of her opinions. She is also incredibly intelligent, very well versed in politics. She's been around it for a long time. Okay, and I don't think Liz Cheney is going anywhere anytime soon. She's incredibly popular amongst her constituents as well. So Nancy Pelosi sees all this. And there's no way she can stay out of the fun. So she decided to make a little blog post about it and put it on her website. And she said this, quote, Word is out that House GOP leaders are looking to push Representative Liz Cheney from her post as House Republican Conference Chair, their most senior woman in GOP leadership, for a litany of very Republican reasons. She won't lie. She isn't humble enough. She's like a girlfriend rooting for the wrong team and more. So Nancy, like I said earlier, has been politicking for a while and she knows what she is doing. Okay. She is trying to make, well, one, of course, she's crapping on the GOP in that statement, obviously, because she's saying that one of the Republican things that one of the things, some of the things that Republicans like to do is lie, right? Uh, they, they're, you know, saying that she, she's rooting for the wrong team, right? So Pelosi wants for the GOP to fall in line under Trump. That's what she wants because she knows and she thinks that the Democrats can beat Trump because they did it in 2020, Right. They went through and they beat Trump. Uh, they were able to flip the Senate. They were able to hold the House and they were able to flip the presidency. She knows that Democrats can beat Donald Trump if Donald Trump is the person that's on the ballot. OK, if all of the people that support Donald Trump are on the ballot, then Trump is on the ballot. And she knows and she thinks that Democrats can beat him. OK, so Pelosi realizes a couple things. One, that the GOP is fractured badly and they can't shed Trump even though the man is barred from Facebook and Twitter and for the most part doesn't have direct access with communicating with his fan base and his normal means uh, outside of Fox News or something else maybe like parlor or something like parlay right none of those really compare to Twitter Twitter was really kind of like the bellwether platform that he was able to get on send out a quick 140 characters and everybody that supported Donald Trump was able to get it and know what that is that they're supposed to think. But the GOP can't get rid of him. Okay. Republicans all over the country are still clinging to him in the hopes that he will help them win their elections or on the other side in the fear that he will throw them under the bus and that they will lose as a result of it. And Pelosi realizes this, and she's trying to capitalize on it as best as possible. The second thing that she realizes is that Democrats are also in a pretty bad position right now, okay? They have an election next year that they really, really need to win. And historically, it does not look good for the Democrats, okay? They hold an incredibly narrow lead in the House. They hold a 218 to 212 majority within the House of Representatives. They hold a 50-50 lead in the Senate, with a tie-breaking vote being the Vice President Kamala Harris, literally the most narrow lead you can possibly hold in the Senate. And they're heading into a, in a, into a midterm next year where a lot of Democratic seats are up for grabs, coming off of the win of a Democratic president. Historically, that is not a good position to be in because oftentimes at the midterms, Historically, the president that wins or the party that wins during a presidential election year ends up losing a lot of those seats during a midterm. Okay, Pelosi knows that if they want to have any shot for next year, there needs to be an incredibly divided GOP for them to run against because a divided GOP is a very weak GOP. The third thing that Nancy Pelosi realizes is that the Democrats need a common enemy again. 
They don't have that common rallying cry anymore. Right now, the Democrats don't really know what to do with themselves because for so long, it was Donald Trump. No matter what the Democrats did not like about one another, they all hated Donald Trump with such a fervor that it brought them together. And nothing brings people together like good mutual hatred, right? And the mainstream media is doing its best to be able to prop up Joe Biden as much as it possibly can, whether it's CNN or MSNBC or reporters that are asking him questions, whatever it may be, it's clear that the mainstream media is wholly behind Joe Biden, right? But that doesn't get people energized out to go vote. It just doesn't. People don't go out and are feel energized to go to the polls if they're like, oh, you know, most of the coverage that I hear about our president is pretty good. Honestly, there's not a whole lot going on right now. I'm kind of tired and worn out from politics because it was absolute craziness in 2020. So, I'm, you know, things are going all right. CNN says Joe Biden's doing a good job. So I'm kind of just okay with things staying the way that they are, right? That doesn't motivate voters to go out and go to the polls and vote for Democrats in the way that the Democrats will need for them to because the Republican fan base is pretty fired up, okay? The best way for the Democrats to unite in hating a single opposition again is to just go back to the original source. Stir up the Trump Republicans and have the Trump Republicans be the person that you hate again. It's easy money for Nancy Pelosi. She knows what she's doing. If she's able to rile up the GOP, rile up the Trump base within the GOP as much as she possibly can and convince all of the Democrats that they're just trying to get together and all have a rallying cry towards these horrible, horrible Republicans, then she's going to be able to create more stories. She's going to be able to create more fervor within her base. And that, of course, is going to show up in the polls, which she wants. So uh, will the GOP actually hold it together? Will they shed Trump? Will they keep Trump there? Will Trump run in 2024? I do not know. I have my predictions about all of it. I could be wrong, right? But there's no doubt that Nancy Pelosi is going to do her absolute best to try and cause those fractions within the GOP as much as she possibly can. So with all of that, that is the end of our second story of the day. Let's go ahead and finish up with our third story and last story, story number three. So for our third story of the day is the vaccine rollouts, okay? So the vaccines are being rolled out all around, all along the country uh, in, a, in a higher and higher uh, rate of in states across the across the country and really across the world over and Biden President Biden set a new goal for 70% of adults to have at least one covid shot by July 4th um Pharmacies are now directed to offer walk-in vaccination. So what Biden is doing is he's trying to say, listen, we need to be getting these vaccines in people's arms because that is the only way that we're going to be able to reach some sort of herd immunity. And that's the best way for us to get back to normal. If the entirety of the adult population has their vaccines, or at least the vast majority of the adult population has their vaccines, then that means that we are going to be well on the road towards normalcy. So President Biden wants 160 million United States adults to have the full course of the vaccine by um, July, by July 4th. Okay. 160 million United States adults, which would mean that administering 100 million shots over the next 60 days. Okay. From here until July 4th, about two months, right? Obviously, two months yesterday, 60 days from yesterday, okay? That would mean that he, they need to put out about 100 million more shots to reach that 70% threshold. 
That's a lot of shots to be getting in the arms. And the difficult part that they're running into now is that they've already gotten the shots and to the vast majority of the people that wanted to get the shot, right? There were a ton of people that were coming out and they were like, listen, we want to be able to, I want to be able to get that vaccine as quickly as I possibly can. And they were lining up in droves to go and get that vaccine. Now, the people that are left, for the most part, are people that are either completely indifferent to it or people that have no desire to get the shot at all. There still is a good portion, especially within the Republican Party, and do not want to get the vaccine. They're worried about it for a wide gambit of different reasons, right? Some of them are totally anti-vaxxers. They believe the vaccines are horrible. They've always been horrible. They won't give their kids a flu shot or measles or anything like that, right? You have that crowd that's, you know, totally off the rails over here. And then you also have a wide group within the Republican Party I think that these, this vaccine specifically is bad, okay? And there is, a, I mean, a lot of misinformation out there about all of it. However, there is a still, still a very good portion of the American public that doesn't trust the vaccine and kind of wants to wait for the vaccine rollout to get further along, for more people to have had the vaccine, for more data to be retrieved around it, for more science to be actually put into it before they're like, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get the vaccine. This is causing a lot of states a lot of problems because they're like, well, we really need to get the vaccine into people's arms. And are we going to actually have the people showing up every day to get the vaccines? Currently, it looks like the number of vaccines that are being administered every day is actually starting to trickle down a little bit. Okay, so that's where you get the idea of like, all right, people that don't want to get the vaccine are now the ones that are kind of holding off. Okay. So different states are going through and they're like, what are we going to do in order to be able to get people the vaccines? New Jersey, and I, the reason why I talk about this is because I think it's personally hilarious, but New Jersey rolled out a, quote, shot and a beer program, okay? And the program offers a free beer to everyone that gets their COVID-19 vaccine. I think, personally, this is fantastic marketing, all right? So the New Jersey governor, Phil Murphy, announced on Twitter uh, that the state was teaming up with over a dozen breweries for the, quote, shot and a beer project. And he said, we're watching, we're launching our shot and a beer program to encourage eligible New Jerseyans ages 21 and up to get vaccinated. Any New Jerseyan who gets their first vaccine dose in the month of May and takes their vaccination card to a participating brewery will receive a free beer. Okay. So the idea is basically... We got to convince these people to go out and get a vaccine some, somehow, right? Well, everybody likes to go out and get a free beer. Who doesn't want a free beer, right? A free beer is the best beer. And right behind that is a cold beer. So in order to be able to get people out to go and get the shots in their arms the way that they need people to do it, offering everybody a free craft brew. Uh, the rollout is actually part of the state's Operation Jersey Summer, which aims to encourage immunization and make the vaccine more available by offering walk-in appointments at mega sites and other locations. So what you're starting to see is states now making it as easy as they possibly can for people to get their vaccines. You can just roll up without an appointment, go and get a little shot in your arm, you're good. About three weeks later, you go back to the exact same thing. You're fully vaccinated, nothing else to worry about. Other states that uh, previously would, did not actually have enough 
uh, vaccine doses to actually get into as many people arms as they wanted to. Uh, the Biden administration is also now reallocating under uh, unordered vaccine doses to states that are in need. So there are certain states that haven't been able to get nearly as many vaccine doses as other states, maybe because their population is a little bit lower, maybe because their infrastructure is not nearly as good as maybe a larger or wealthier state. So Biden is basically saying, look, we've got some extra vaccines. Let's send them around to these other states and they're going to be allowed to order 50 percent over the amount that they say that they need so we can get as many vaccines into the arms of people that otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to be able to get it. So I would not be surprised if over the next month or so you start seeing a lot more kind of wider open kind of vaccine and vaccination stations where you can kind of vaccination stations where you can go in and get a shot, whether it's at a, you know, a CVS parking lot, or I don't know, maybe they're going to start rolling them up in Walmart parking lots. You never know. Uh, but bottom line is Joe Biden's trying to get this vaccination rollout over with and done by the end of the summer. I think that they're trying to shoot to have herd immunity, which I believe under the vaccinations that we have right now is somewhere around 85% of inoculation rate. Um, so about 85% of the United States population has the vaccination in order to be able to reach herd immunity. I think they're shooting to try and have that likely by the end of the summer to maybe sometime around September. Uh, and then you'll start seeing a lot of the face mask mandates and stuff like that start to roll off as well. And all of us are absolutely ready for that. So with all of that, that is the end of our third story and last story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on into our last segment, my favorite segment, something that made me smile. So something that made me smile this week was actually, may the fourth be with you. That's right. May the fourth was a good day. Not only because, you know, it's the start of another fantastic week here on this earth, but also because it was May the 4th, which is really cool because it sounds like you're saying May the 4th, but with a really, really horrible lisp. I personally enjoy Star, Star Wars a pretty good amount. It's fun to kind of sit down, watch a little bit of Star Wars, have some fun, and kind of celebrate this cool kind of weird little American thing that we got here where we enjoy this kind of fun little pop culture saga that we've got going on. Um, enjoyed it a ton. Uh, I know I've got some friends of mine and my younger brother that really, really love Star Wars, so fun to sit around and enjoy that a little bit. So that is the end of our show today. Thank you so much for stopping by and for checking us out. As always, y'all remember we're going to do our best to stay level-headed. We're always going to be reasonable. And of course, we're going to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor. Thank you for listening to Split the Difference podcast, written, recorded, and hosted by Austin Taylor. If you're interested in getting in touch with me on Instagram, you can find me at Split the Difference podcast. I'm on Facebook and YouTube at Split the Difference and on my website at splitthedifference.com. Production for the intro and outro music done by Rosewood Records Recording Studio. If you're interested in booking or learning more about them, you can reach them on Facebook or Instagram at Rosewood Records SC or on their website, www.rosewoodrecordssc.com. <laughs>